so much for Randy. We thank you for his wisdom and, and just for being a shepherd and a pastor over our church, Lord. We just ask that he, he just speaks words, uh, that they be words of truth, uh, just words from you. Um, not, not from him, Lord, but, but just speak through him. Let us have receptive ears, receptive hearts as you just you speak through Randy, Lord. Uh, we just thank you so much for, for putting him here uh, at this church, Lord. I'm, I'm so thankful to, to call him friend, to call him uh, head pastor, Lord. And, and I, just, I just ask as, as he just delivers the message, Lord, that we're able to receive it with open hearts, Lord. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Could someone back there, John, would you mind turning those lights on for me back there? Thank you. It's very kind. Let's stand for a moment. I felt so warmly greeted there by Ian. Why don't you warmly greet one another? Just find someone you haven't said hi to ever or in a while and say hello. Great to see all of you this morning. Just a, a little addendum to uh, Ian's community notes. I want to make sure that you're aware uh, on Christmas Eve, we, we always do take an offering but we always give that offering away. So uh, tomorrow night's offering will go three directions uh, this year. It will go to the Poor House, which is a ministry that helps those who are struggling with homelessness in the city. It will go to Faith, Hope, and Love, uh, which is a ministry birthed out of Merlin and Annie's heart. <laughs> no, the heart of God in heaven through them. And um, they are, through Faith, Hope, and Love, reaching hundreds and hundreds, probably now thousands and thousands of people with practical needs in missional food pantries throughout the city, and also people just feeling, embracing, and the love of Jesus and meeting him with eternal destinies changed, which is just awesome. And then the third place will be our missional food pantry, the Indy Vineyard Missional Food Pantry that happens right here every month, and so we'll be splitting that offering three directions. So that is probably, that's my way of saying, come ready to give. <laughs> because we're giving to really worthy and awesome causes, okay? Um, I think that this morning, um, this might be a, a little heavier message than you would normally expect on uh, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Um, I am speaking about love, but the worship team said, so what are you talking about? I said, I'm talking about love, but I'm talking about the crossy kind of love. The love that took Jesus to the cross for us, because we're going to look at a passage from Philippians chapter two that describes describes the king of kings as the humble king. And so um, I kind of look I just realized it um, this morning during worship that probably today's message is part one and tomorrow night's message uh, at the Christmas Eve service at seven o'clock is part two. And there's lots of joy in the midst of that. So. I got a little levity this morning, so don't get too bummed out, but <clears throat> all right. I was thinking about how to describe Christmas this, uh, this weekend in terms of what's, what I'm speaking about love, and I thought Christmas is really the celebration of the coming of humble love. If, if you were to give Jesus another name, he's got lots of them, but if I was going to give him a name, I would say Jesus should be called humble love. This is a time when deity dons humanity, right? Man becomes God. God becomes man. Heaven invades earth. The prince of peace comes in and he, he crushes our anxiety. That's the, the celebration of humble love. Jesus, who was born of a woman in poverty and distress in a stable. I mean, that's humility, right? And Jesus, who is the king 
born of God by way of the Holy Spirit, the one true once and coming king. The humble king is the one that we worship, the one that we wait for as we prepare for Christmas. Humble comes from the Latin word. I had to have a Latin word, just makes it a sermon. From the Latin word humus, which just means earth. When you think of humbling yourself, it's just remembering where you come from. Earth. And Jesus humbled himself. Love is the only attribute that describes the essence of God. Next week, we're going to start a short series on the attributes of God. We're going to talk about eight attributes in four weeks. But there's only one word in the scriptures that actually defines the essence of God. The rest of them are all attributes of that essence. And that one word is love. Love is the heart of God. First John 4, God is love. And anyone who lives in God lives in love and he... uh, who lives in love, lives in God, and he in them. It's that powerful. It carries the nature of God. We don't worship love. We worship God. God is love. Love is not God. That's a whole different deal. You know what I'm saying? Just let that one process for the next ten minutes. How many have heard the story of Bob Jones, who was a prophet from a few years back, who, who had a death experience and went to see the Lord? How many of you have heard that one? Some of you. Bob Jones was a very well-known prophet and very human as a prophet, had had his stuff, right? He had a death experience. I don't say near death because he died and he was he was before the Lord that he describes as just enormous white light, brilliant white light. And before the Lord, he saw this line of people and all of these people were coming forward to come before the Lord. And he said they were wrapped in their gods. They were wrapped in those things that they worshipped on earth. He saw people wrapped in dollar bills. He saw people wrapped in whiskey. He saw people wrapped in lust. He saw people wrapped in in the different things that they had worshipped on earth. And he was before the Lord coming in this line. He said like a conveyor belt of people coming before the Lord. And he could hear the Lord was asking one question of every person who came before him. And it was just this one question. Did you learn to love? That was it. Now, that is an extra biblical story. All right. That's not in in the Bible. That's an experience of a man. But it communicates the heart of God for his desire for us on earth. Will we learn to love? St. John on the cross, uh, 12th century, 13th century. I can't remember exactly. He says in the twilight of our lives. We will be judged on how we loved. And again, that's just a guy right before God, but it's 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 in the scriptures, too. Um, Lynn was telling me that this morning in the early morning worship time, the, the early morning team, the great praise, they, they focused on this one verse from uh, Deuteronomy six. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. The New Testament, Jesus goes on in most of the Gospels to say the same thing. He just adds, and this is what it will look like on earth when you love God with everything. That heavenly love will pour out of your life to other people. And you will love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul says it so dramatically in Ephesians 5. He says in Ephesians 5.1, Therefore be imitators of God. 
That's the verse I'm using for the next four weeks about the attributes of God. We're to be imitators of God. And I'll talk about what that's like. It's going to be thrilling. I actually believe that. And I'm speaking. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're we're meant to live in love just the same way that Jesus lived in love. So I was thinking, what did humble love look like in in the life of our humble king? And so I want to read this morning from Philippians chapter 2. If you have a Bible, it's not up on the screen. You can read along with me or just listen to the word of the Lord for us this morning. Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, Being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped. That'll really mess with you right there. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him what we just sang about, the name that is above every name, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Let's pray. God, I almost feel like we could just let that scripture stand. And we could say, amen, God, may it be in our lives. I ask as we take a few minutes and talk about the scriptures. Lord, that you would bring out the truth of scriptures, that the same Holy Spirit that inspired these words would illuminate these words and illustrate these words for our own hearts so that we could illustrate the love of God for the world in such desperate need of you. So Holy Spirit, come and do your work through me, in me, through us, for the glory of Jesus. Amen. I do have a number of scriptures I'm be looking at this morning. So if you want notes, I've got some copies. Actually, Jane has some here. If you want notes, you can get them now or, or get them on the way out. But uh, you don't have to scribble. I've got a lot of it there for you. So the question is, what did, uh, what did humble love look like for Jesus? What did humble love look like for our humble king? Surprise of surprise, I have three points. Number one, he emptied himself, which means he gave up his rights. Jesus, our humble king, emptied himself, which means he gave up his rights. Philippians 2, where it says, but he emptied himself, the Greek words kenosis. It it literally means to empty the contents of something out. And there are theological discussions, actually fights, theological fights 
about which attributes did Jesus empty himself of to become man? Like, which ones did he hold on to? Did he know everything on earth as God knows everything in heaven? And I'm not going to fight any of those fights this morning. Because the scripture is abundantly clear that Jesus decided, willful decision, to empty himself of his rights. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, who was God-made man, didn't come around and walk around saying, hey, look at me, I'm God. Treat me like God. Now, eventually they get the point, right? But it wasn't the declaration of Jesus. In fact, half the time he hides it from people to find out what's in the heart of people and to communicate the heart of the Heavenly Father. He emptied himself. One thing the text makes crystal clear, Philippians 2, the King of kings, the first word of creation, the one in whom we live and we move and we have our being, the one in whom, through whom, and for whom all things were made. John 1 says, everything that was made, he made everything that was made. I mean, he's everything in whom all things hold together, that very God of all the roles that he could choose. He chose the form of a servant. He walked as God would walk, but he didn't go around saying, hey, don't you know I'm God? Treat me like God. He walked around like a servant. Okay, quick little moment of levity here. Um, Just want you to shout it out. No embarrassment, no shame. When you were a kid assuming you're not one now, if you, when you were a kid, which TV or movie characters did you like to play act as? Just shout them out. Who were you? You're playing in the neighborhood. You're Wonder Woman. Batman, Wonder Woman, Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger. Who? That guy. $6 million man. There's a, there's a, there's a gap here. Spider Woman. Spider Woman? Wonder Woman. I'm thinking, I don't think there was a spider woman. That's her. <laughs> okay, just to, just to show you my, just to show you uh, the era that I woke up in, for me, okay, how many of you have heard of the show The Mod Squad? All right. I was going to get a picture. I don't need one. You know who I always wanted to be? Link. Link. The black guy. And I, had, I struggled with my afro, I will, be, I will admit. I just thought Link was the coolest guy. Can you picture him? Just Google Link from the Mod Squad when you go. I mean, he was just cool. And so my friend and I, and I had one at that time, one friend, we lived out in the woods, and he and I, we would decide what we're going to play, and one of us would always, this was, I can just hear us, one of us would say, let's play Mod Squad, I'm Link, just like that. Because we both wanted to be Link for whatever reason. And we went back and forth. Okay. On the earth, of all the roles that Jesus, the humble king of kings, could take, he said, I'll take the form of a servant. Not the coolest guy. Not the most powerful. Not the wealthy. Not the one with all the authority. He said, I'll take the role of a servant. How about in life? What role do you want to play? That's just a question to to sit with the Holy Spirit with this week. What does it look like for you to take the form of a servant? The Greek word for forms, morphe, you know, to, to actual form. It's a verb, too. How are you allowing God to form you as a servant? What's your practice look like? 
Are you learning how to love the way the humble king loved, which was in the form of service? He chose to give up his rights. Jesus chose to give away all the rights he had over the people that he had created and walk as a servant, which is why we can walk into heaven and say, yes, I've met love. Jesus, the one who died and rose again on my behalf. Are you learning to take the form of a servant? Remember, the attitude of Jesus as a servant was humility, not self-hatred. Very important difference. It's not neglect of your value, but an acknowledgement of the infinite value of others. You're not saying, I am nothing. You're just looking at other people formed in the image of God and saying, they're incredibly valuable. So I, like Jesus, will choose to serve rather than to be served. Are you learning to give up your rights? Second, he humbled himself, which means he walked the path of obedience. A king who is willing to give up his rights and a king who's willing to obey. Every king knows how to give orders, right? But the king of kings demonstrates his love for the father by obedience. If you're to stick one scripture verse on the vineyard movement, Robbie, I'm looking at you. You better get this one right. One scripture verse on the vineyard movement from a certain gospel, what would it be? John 5.19. John 5.19, right. (laughs) Which is where Jesus says, I can't do anything on my own, but I only do what I see the Father doing. And we in the vineyard love that because we say, guess what? We get to do everything that the Father's doing. Is the Father healing? We're healing. Is the Father loving? We're loving. Is the Father empowering? We're empowering, encouraging, prophesying, right? But this verse described the entire life of Jesus. Not just the miracles, but the life between the miracles. At every point in every moment of Jesus' life, it's like there was this eternal question rising up. Father, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the father's answer was always, I'm loving, I'm loving, I'm loving. What a life changing question for the disciple of Jesus today. If every moment of every day are are the undercurrent, the question always rising up in us. Father, what are you doing? Father, what are you doing right now? Father, are you saying these words in my mind right now? Father, are you walking in this attitude that I feel right now? Father, are you holding on to that bitterness? Are you indulging that desire? Are you entertaining that thought? Or, Father, are you speaking the truth in love? Are you walking in literal humility, treating everyone else like they're more important than you? I was walking into Starbucks yesterday. I was out doing errands. I was walking into Starbucks yesterday, and um, I... I I was walking up and I saw a woman coming towards the door and I don't know what sort of jolly merriment came over me. I ran towards the door to make sure she knew I was going to open it for her. First, I thought she she thinks I'm trying to beat her to Starbucks because she started running, too. So we run to the door and she beat me. And I'm pretty sure she's older than I am. She beat me. She opens the door for me. We walk in and I'm just like, why are you so nice? We had a very interesting discussion. I won't tell you all about. But in the end, as I'm offering my coffee, she pays for my coffee. I thought, 
I don't have any reason to believe that this woman knows the Lord, but I saw Jesus. He ran to the door, opened it up for me, and popped my coffee. True humility. Or, Father, are you forgiving as I have been forgiven? Are you disciplining this body to bring joy and life to this soul before you? Are you taking every thought captive so that it will obey obey your son, Jesus? Jesus, who was tempted in every way like us, the scripture says, and but without sin. Why? (laughs) To prove he was man? How? Because he was God? No, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit from the very beginning of his ministry. And all of his life was empowered by and led by the Holy Spirit. He only did what he saw the Father was doing. And remember, that is obedience, not slavery. Slavery is rooted in fear, and it results in despair. Who wants that? Hands down. No, we don't want that. Obedience is rooted in love, and it results in joy. See, John 15 Just for the fun of it there. It's not always easy. It takes practice. And obedience can cause real pain. How many of you know? Obedience to the Lord can cause real actual pain. Difficulty. But it breeds real joy. And it's made possible every moment by the Holy Spirit. Who is given to us. Romans 5. 5. Who was poured out in us. By God the Father. Are you learning to walk in obedience? Are you learning to love? like the humble king loved. And third, the Philippians passage says that Jesus gave himself. He was accepting, he was willing to accept the will of God with grace, which for him meant what? Death. How far, how deep does the humility of Jesus go? How far, how deep will our humility have to go if we are wanting to follow the humble king whose birth we proclaim tomorrow, whose death we'll remember you know, in a few months, and whose resurrection we'll remember forever in heaven because that's why we're there with him. A king willing to die so that his beloved might live. In Philippians it says that Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why does it say that, even death on a cross? I'm just guessing here, but I think what Paul's trying to point out in this early Christian hymn is that he humbled himself to death, and it wasn't a martyr's death. It was a criminal's death, right? It wasn't a glorious death. It was a shameful death. So let's go back to seven-year-old Randy, all right? When I wasn't being Link with my big afro, You know what I was doing? And I bet some of you men and women did this. Seven years old, I can picture my friends and I running around the neighborhood and we're playing war. It only occurred to me this last week when I was thinking about this that Vietnam was happening. I don't think as a seven-year-old I was aware of Vietnam. I don't think I knew what was going on. 1971? But we would play army. And you know what? This is the way it always ended. It always ended for me with me jumping off a stone ledge and dying a glorious death. How many men have done that? How many men are still doing that? That's what video games are all about, right? Because there's something in us that's willing to die for the cause, but we want glory in the midst of it, right? What put that in me? 
Was that like the seed of humble love? No, probably not. Probably that was just selfish, self-centered, immature, seven-year-old pride. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die as the glorious martyr. Right? But Jesus did not die as the glorious martyr. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. The ultimate sacrifice... The shame of a criminal's death, not the glorious death of a martyr. And according to Scripture, what was the result of Jesus' uh, criminal death? The shame. It says that God the Father has exalted him as the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The greatest image of love is the cross. The pinnacle of love, the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus, God made man, says, this is what love looks like. I'm given it all. And I don't even need credit for it. I'll just go down like a criminal because I know the end of the story. And he died for so many who showed no love for him, so many who didn't even acknowledge his deity, let alone honor his humanity. And he did it anyway for the sake of love. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. Not that he gave us great gifts. Not that he, 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 you know, he allowed us to have great knowledge, though those are good things. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a demonstration of humble love. Robert Mulholland is one of my favorite authors. He wrote a couple books, but one I just love. I read it every year, maybe twice, called The Deeper Journey. And he describes the love of Jesus, the pinnacle of the expression of God's heart to people. And he calls it cruciform love. I like, I like the word. Cruciform love. Love that looks like the cross. Love in a life that takes the shape of the love of Jesus, which is shaped like a cross. And so if we're following this humble king, our lives will increasingly be cruciform in nature. They'll look like the cross. That doesn't mean beating ourselves up. It means laying ourselves down for the sake of others so that God in his proper time can exalt us just like he did for Jesus. All through the New Testament, especially in the epistles, you see this promise, humble yourselves and God will exalt you. Choose death, he'll give you life. Give everything for my sake, and I'll give you everything back and more. That's, the, that's what it looks like to walk in humble love. Remember, it's death to the old man in this present life, but the end result is eternal life and an eternal kind of life right now. Is your life increasingly cruciform? Are you learning to love? I want to close with a couple of reminders so that you don't get stuck in the first half of the story. Because really what I did was I gave you just half the story, right? I just gave you the, 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 what the humble king looked like on earth. But what happens as a result of the humble king's humility? It was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross despising, not enjoying the shame, and now he sat down at the right hand of God, the place of ultimate authority and kingship. Like Paul, 
Jesus knew that though outwardly he was wasting away, this is 2 Corinthians 4, yet inwardly he was being renewed day by day because our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The next time you walk in humble love, it is okay to say, as I sacrifice for this person, for you, Lord, I am achieving an eternal weight of glory. Jesus was motivated by that glory. It's okay to be motivated by glory. It's, we run on it, right? It's like the energy of heaven, the radiance of God's glory. Don't forget, just as Jesus came once in humility, he's going to come again in glory. Just as he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, he will come to reign and to judge every life by love. And according to scripture, guess who reigns with him? Right here, dude, not me, us. We reign with Christ. It's right in the Bible. There's just this little part of life where there's humility and difficulty. And we reign with Christ when he returns. Just as he came and walked in obedience to his father at one point, in the future, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, that means king of kings. In that day, that meant the top, the, the ultimate. Not just a name for God, but a name for the king of the day, Lord, to the glory of God, the Father. Jesus' humble attitude and actions were never a result of any lack of understanding of who he was. His innate worth, his value to God and to the world, his preeminent place in history. The way he would lead creation and redemption. Jesus knew who he was. It was because he knew who he was, the beloved of God, fully accepted, fully king, fully God. Ultimately, the one to reign over all things because he knew who he was. He was not afraid or unwilling to give his life. For us, so we could become like him. It wasn't him throwing down his dignity. It was him stewarding his dignity. And saying, because I'm God, I'll show you what God's love looks like. And Jesus humbled himself, gave up his rights, walked in obedience, and eventually gave his very last breath to the ones who he'd actually given breath to, even though we scorned him. And so we, when we know who we are in Christ, beloved, accepted eternally, unconditionally, Ephesians 1, 6, accepted by him, then we'll willingly and joyfully humble ourselves in the love of God, give up our rights, walk in obedience, and give our lives on behalf of others. Remember what Paul said way back? A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Our lives are just like the life of Jesus. In that way, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And he loves it. That was the path of King Jesus. His path to reigning was a path of service and obedience and eventually death. Even on Christmas, why would we think that our path is any different? That's the power of love. But what we celebrate at Christmas is that just is the beginning of the story. The end of the story is glory 
eternal life, which is a present like we cannot imagine. And right now, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, the place of ultimate and unending authority, and he sees every single moment of our lives. And by his spirit, he empowers every single act of humility and obedience and even choosing to give up our rights or to die. And he promises, I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. By the way, that means forever. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I love all the songs we sang. I got one issue with that one song. You have never failed me yet. That gets me every time. It's beautiful. It's true. I just love the hope of you have never failed me. (laughs) But you know what the yet does? The yet holds us between the now and the not yet. The yet holds us, reminds us that though it might feel like he's not going to be there. No, he always has. And he always will. Let's stand. Lynn, could, would you come forward? I want to invite, before I invite the ministry team up, I just want to give you an opportunity to put your own heart out before God this morning. As you ask those questions to yourself, am I learning to love? Am I learning how to give up my rights? Am I learning how to walk in obedience? Am I I learning how to even give myself, I mean, all the way to, to death for those that I love? Dallas Willard says this, What matters most is not what you are doing, but the person you're becoming. Who are we becoming this Christmas? Are we becoming like the humble king that we're celebrating I think we are, little by little, bit by bit, day after day. Do you have his attitude in you? Are you learning to love like him? And today, as we look towards the coming of humble love, I want to invite you to a baptism of love. Because, you know, I said Jesus didn't face all that temptation and walk in obedience and humility and and all of that didn't get glorified because he was God on earth, but because he was empowered, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I want us to to ask God to baptize us in love again. So no big pressure, but if if it's in your heart, you're like, I want a baptism of love today. I'd like to ask you to just come on forward any place you want in the front. If you want a baptism of love, you want an empowerment of love again, to walk in obedience, to be willing to give up your rights, to be willing to go even to death, whatever that looks like, to walk in shame for the Lord. I'm just going to wait a minute. Anyone who wants can come forward. This isn't an emotional appeal. Because this is a reality that God, the Father, is offering to us today. A baptism of love. It's not just for Pentecost anymore, right? A baptism of God's love, the sacrificial, humble love of Jesus. I'm going to pray, but I'd like to ask anyone on the ministry team who already isn't up here, would you come up to the stage and just sort of face and pray with me? So anyone who's on the ministry team and isn't already up, 
Because I wonder if you're up, just stay there. Just come up to the stage with me and we'll begin to pray. God, I thank you that this day, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're offering a baptism of love all over again. And I ask now in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, come. You know every heart here. You know every mind. You created every soul. You've knit together every body. And I ask in Jesus' name, bring a baptism, an immersion of love for us this morning. An immersion of of humble love. Lord, give us grace to humble ourselves that you might exalt us at the proper time. God, your word says that you love, you draw near to the humble and you oppose the proud. Lord, we oppose pride this morning and ask that you baptize us in humble love all over again. Just take a moment. Just be before the Lord. Ministry team, pray. We're just going to wait here for a few minutes. If you're on the ministry team and God's given you some words of encouragement, or even if you're out um, sitting in the congregation, you've got some words of encouragement for anyone up front, feel free to come up. If God's stirring you now, there's plenty of room. Come up to the stage and we'll pray for you. I think that God specifically is speaking to some right now and he's showing you the path of humility and he's showing you that it's a glorious path. Maybe you're in a decision process right now and and you're trying to make a decision and, and God's showing you, hey, there's a decision here to be made that it doesn't look like glory. God, I ask for that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that as we look to you for our wisdom, you'd fill us with humble love so we can walk in it. I'm going to ask Lynn. Lynn's just going to play for another five minutes, ten minutes or so. um, And you're welcome to come up at any point and get prayer. We're going to just keep having a time of ministry. In a few minutes, I'll close us. And if you need to go get your kids now, you can. But I just want this to be an open time for you to receive the gift of a baptism of fresh love.